Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the Roka Report podcast in association with Sunderland Community Soup Kitchen. My name is Rich Spate and I'm joined down the line from Sheffield by Chris Wynn. How are you, mate? Yeah, not bad. A couple of days to reflect, so should be good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's been a, a, a whirlwind couple of days. I've kind of missed football a little bit. Um, and we're also joined by Craig Chapman as well from the North East. How are you today, Craig? Yeah, all good. I think I've sobered up fully enough now. Anxiety has gone from Monday, so looking forward to reflect on it. I think we've done the right thing to hold off a couple of days so we can you know, calm ourselves down somewhat, but uh, yeah, all good. Yeah, I had to have a night off the booze last night. I was starting to feel it. Uh, a bank holiday weekend uh, was catching up with me. I'm not as young as I used to be. But um, we had a good weekend overall. Um, obviously, we reviewed the, the Friday game, but we've got the Peterborough game to go over as well from Monday. So um, I was just wondering, really, to start with, what your feelings about it were, lads. Chris, what are your reflections on it? And uh, what do you think are the most important kind of points to come out of it are? I think it was a good point. I think that's that's mm. the biggest thing to come out of it. I think there was so much discussion last week, you know, what what, what constitutes as a good weekend. I think we ran a round table on it and, and we kind of got a bit of a mixed mixed kind of round of answers, actually. It was quite interesting because uh, I think Nick Barnes said as well, Marco Gabardini said that um, it might not be the end of the world if we lost the game. And a lot of people said, you know, we'd be really happy with four points. And we got four points. It's It's just, it's really strange because of the pattern of the game. And I think even though if, if anybody had said before the game, look, there's a 1-1, do you want it? I think everyone would have snapped their hand off and went, yeah, nice mm-hmm. one, we'll take that. But especially well in that first half, I think we controlled the game so much that people ended up a little bit disappointed we didn't get all three. And it was really strange that we ended up getting a really good point and, and scoring a really good goal and coming from behind. And yet there was a few people kind of disappointed with it, which which I look as a good thing because it just shows how far we've come that we're taking on a promotion rival, somebody above us, somebody who's constantly been in the top two, top three all season. And we go away from home against the best home record in the league. And they've scored, I think they've scored like 11 more at home than the, the next side. And uh, and we, we got a cracking point. So... I'm, I mean, especially a couple of days after looking at the table as well, I'm chuffed, to be honest, with our uh, work over the Easter weekend. What about you, Craig? Are you, were you happy with the point? I have to say, at half-time, I was thinking we would go on and win the game. So maybe, you know, I'm, I'm part of that group that's slightly disappointed <laughs> with, the, with, with the point. But uh, what about you? 
Yeah, I mean, I was one of those who who championed taking four points over the Easter weekend um, in the run-up to the game. I think there is certainly lots of positives. We will know the importance of it. The stakes were massive, hence the reason why I think it was billed for us more as a, a must-not-lose. I think it would have really put a dent in our promotion bit if we had. Um, but I think looking back at it now, a couple of days out, the, the character that was shown once again to grind out that result, um, you know, considering we, we were 10 minutes away from, from obviously coming away empty-handed, but I, I think we were the better side overall. I thought as Chris rightly said there, we, we played the majority of the first half in their half. We, we really were in complete control. We reacted to the conditions well. I mean, as you touched on before recording, their pitch obviously isn't great and the weather certainly didn't help us either. But, you know, I thought beyond that, we were we were calm and composed despite knowing how big the game was. Um, and I think bizarrely, the thing that kind of, the thing that might have been a bit, um, you know, unpredicted was the way Peterborough were happy to kind of sit off us so they seem very content mm. sitting off Ledbetter and Winchester sorry presumably you know in that in that hope of of winning possession and then catching us on the break but I thought we we're very solid we dictated the midfield battle early on but I think they the main takeaway despite having all of that possession was is we just did not create enough chances for Morton play yeah. and I think perhaps you can attribute that to the conditions you know Jones and McGeady they were noticeably restricted because Every time they got the first touch, they were either clattered or the ball had, you know, just bobbled away from them. But I thought despite that, we worked worked hard. You know, Ross Stewart in particular, I know he's coming for a little bit of criticism, but I thought he'd done well. Dragging men out wide, showing some neat touches. Charlie led the line well, but I think, I mean, like I say, besides McGeady's blocked shot, we, we, we didn't really test them enough in that first half. And perhaps we can be... A little fortunate at the end, not to go in at half-time 1-0 down after 0-9's clearance, which I thought Burge was superb for, quick mm. reactions. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you know what, as the second half kicked off, I, th- I thought the game was just getting away from us ever so slightly. Peterborough grew in the game, as you would expect. And I think if I am nitpicking, and it, I mean it's ever so slightly, I feel like we should have reacted a little sooner to their substitutions. I know we'll come on that, but yeah. once Dembele and Reese brown came on, I think it sprung them to life, and that's where... The game started to get a little bit stretched. Uh, we had a let off when Smodix put one wide, but at that point they were very much in the ascendancy. Um, I feel like we lost our shape a little bit. You know they exposed McFads in a few times, but I think despite all of that, you know you've got to have credit uh, going to the manager here because he reacted immediately once we went one 0 down. I thought our substitution swung it back in our favour. They allowed us to get twenty yards further upfield, and I thought we got in the game well at that point again and. Look, talked about criticism. I know Lyndon Gooch often comes in for it, but I thought he worked hard. Um, you know, both he and O'Brien really hassled their back line. They kept us pushing forward. Josh Scowen as well does well to nick the ball off Taylor, draws that foul on the edge of the area. And as soon as McGeady steps up, you know it's only going one place. And at that point, I think that's where Chris is right. That's where the disappointment perhaps comes in a little bit because, you know, at that stage, we look there, the side to win that game. Uh, Darren McAnthony touched on it as much basically said that we ran all over them once we scored and, and he's right the momentum was with us but look most importantly we've come away unbeaten it's against a really big side a big promotion rival the momentum is with us everything still remains in our hand and we're going to run each other very close to the end of the season yeah there's been a good bit of chatter in the last couple of days about the kind of maybe a drop off in the level of performance and when you look at um i mean our talking tactics piece uh, that's on the website at the minute from Brandon Feely it's really interesting. You look at the lack of clear-cut chances, as you mentioned, Craig. Look at the expected goals, which I know doesn't tell you everything, but when you look at where we had shots and how many clear-cut chances 
we had as compared to them. There's a there's a you know a good case to be made that we were lucky to get out of it with the point. But Chris, those partnerships that Craig touched on there, the two real key key partnerships of Winchester and Leadbitter in the middle and um, Ross Stewart and Charlie White up front. How did you feel those were? Because they were key to really creating opportunities for us, weren't they? Yeah, I mean, I mean, just on the, the general play, I mean, like you said, in terms of creating chances, I think I think we've been playing like that for a long time. You know, I think the game against Peterborough and uh, and the Oxford game were were fairly typical of how we've been playing. It's not out of the ordinary. I mean, I think we, we kind of raised the bar in the away game at Portsmouth. And I think that was a really high standard that, I'm not sure we we're kind of hitting game after game, but I, and I think I'm, I mentioned a couple of times on on kind of previous podcasts that I feel like we're a bit of a machine where we're not blowing teams away. We're just we're just kind of methodical. We're we're efficient. We win games. We get points. We make sure we grind them out. And we've got to remember that uh, you know Peterborough, in terms of League One, are a fantastic side. That brought Dembele on from the bench. They had good players to bring off the bench. They were the biggest spenders in the summer. And we've got a, gone away from home there and, and kind of for most parts played them off the park. And like you said, the partnerships that I think we had, I mean, in the middle of the park, I think Ledbetter and Winchester, I have to say, especially first half, were absolutely fantastic. There's not going to be many better control and performances from midfielders, especially at that level <laughs> this weekend. Mm. I think they were absolutely fantastic. The only gripe, slight gripe I might have had with them, but it, it is really nitpicking because they were fantastic was that there maybe weren't enough balls forward. But I think uh, Craig kind of touched on it there. The, the, the point was that the pitch was awful, which meant mm. we ended up having to play the ball longer and in the air. Every pass along the ground was a bit of a risk. Mm-hmm. It was windy, the pitch was a bit crap, and we had to kind of modify our play and play it in the air a little bit. Um, and like I said, Stuart, Stuart and White had to feed off scraps up front. And, and I'd like to see them in a home game against someone where we really want to go to someone and play 4 4 2 up front, get balls into the box. And I think that's where they could be effective. But uh, but yeah, I mean, like, like I said, it, it just uh, I think we've got to remember that Peterborough are a fantastic side. And then for the most part, we've played them off the park. Absolutely. Other than the free kick, though, I think they had probably the three best chances of the game, though, didn't they? And, and, and those three chances all came from a particular area of the pitch, which was our left fullback role. Now I know we we we've, we've had plenty of opportunity on the pod to kind of lay into Callum Fadzin as you know more probably more than anyone else, but it was a worry, and that is where those opportunities came from. I mean, Craig Chris mentioned the the one that that came off um, Luke O'Nine. Was it you that mentioned the one that came off uh, Luke O'Nine and nearly nearly ended up in the back of the net? But there were a couple before that as well. Was that the clear weak link for you in the side that let Peterborough get on top at, yeah, I would at say times so. in the game? Yeah, yeah, 100%. And um, I mean, I suppose you've got to give Peterborough an awful lot of credit for that because they've done the homework in advance and um, they had an enormous amount of pace down that down that right-hand flank. Um, I think obviously with, with Callum McFadden, look, you, you can talk about this until you go blue in the face. And I think because those failings or his shortcomings, if you will, they're, they're, all, they're all too familiar. It's very repetitive. And look, the likelihood is it's going to continue and it's going to raise the concerns that we've all got. I would say in his defence, he has had some elements of good play recently, but I mean, ultimately that was another uninspiring defensive performance. And when you know that there is going to be times where 
you're going to have your backs to the wall. Peterborough were in, you know, in the ascendancy at some stage in the second half for a good 15, 20 minutes, and you know that you've got to ride that storm. He's, he's not the person you really want in there, I don't think. And, I mean, there was a moment in the first half where McGeady just walked away from him, shaking his head. And, um, I mean, look, I've got nothing against the lad. At this stage, I'm probably Sunderland's biggest happy clapper. And I'm absolutely convinced he is playing to the best of his abilities. But for where we want to be now, it's just not good enough, really. Um, and there's no shame in this. There, there really is no shame in that. I think it's it's reasonable to suggest that if Denver Hume's around all season, you know, he's nothing but a backup player for us. And like I said, Peterborough done the homework. They attacked him with pace. Um, but yeah, I mean, God forbid, every time that they come down, like I said, he, he was the weak link. And it was heart in the mouth moment a good few times. But... It's it's just one of those things, really. Until Denver Hume returns to full fitness, he is going to play a part in the next eight games. So whether we'll hike it or lump it, I think we're just going to have to try and remain as calm as we can and and hope for the best, really. But yeah, they they certainly they certainly targeted. But my biggest problem with that, Craig, was that for at least ten minutes before the goal, I, you could just see it coming. It was an accident yeah. waiting to happen. The and, warning signs were there. Yeah, and I know I know Hume's coming back to fitness, but and he waited till twenty minutes to left to put to put him on but I mean even Conor McLaughlin I mean he's a fullback yeah <laughs> I mean I mean I'd rather have him playing on the left of, of the back four than than, than McFadden but the, I mean even if he doesn't do it from the start fair enough go with McFadden he's you know he's put in a lot of effort he's taken some hits but I mean like I say the signs were there for at least 10-15 minutes before the goal yeah, no, I fully agree with that. And I think, like I said, just in terms of at the top of the pod where I mentioned about nitpicking, I think once Peterbread made their subs, we were a little slow to react at that stage. And you could feel like it certainly swung in their favour for that 15, 20-minute period. Um, and the game just got a little bit too far out of uh, out of distance for us at that point. And yeah, it was basically waiting for when it was going to happen. And you're quite right, I think. Typically, the way I look at it, if a player is on the bench, then you know, rightfully speaking, they they might need to come in because say McFadden could have been um you know injured in the warm up or anything like that. McLaughlin, in fairness, he would have done an absolutely fine job, I'm sure of it, because when he came on, he was okay. Um, he's solid. He's not spectacular, but you know, you get a good shift out of him. But yeah, I mean, like I said, that that is really my gripe is that the warning signs were there. I think Johnson had just hoped that we we're going to weather that storm, but um, it it was just it was just one step too far, I think. Yeah, certainly. I mean, it does bring us on neatly to those substitutions, though, because that was something, well, something we've never seen before in in such an important match where you bring four subs on at once and then another one a couple of minutes later. That was wholesale changes, almost half of the team in one go. But it, it worked in the end. I mean, a few minutes later, we won that free kick. Do you see that move by Johnson? Chris has been the absolute decisive moment in that game in terms of us getting that point? Fair play to Johnson. I mean, he needed balls to do that, really, and he did it. It was obvious at that point we needed something to change. We needed a spark. I wasn't sure about Jones coming off mine, but, I mean, four subs. Four subs on 71 minutes was what I've got in my notes, and uh, especially in the forward positions where he brought O'Brien on for Stewart and Gooch on for Jones. It was It was really strange because at the time I thought, well, Okay, we need a spark. We need something. Four changes at the same time. One nil down. But it was really odd because they they were brought on on seventy one minutes. We got the free kick on eighty minutes, and from the substitutions up to the the free kick where McGeady scored, I thought we were a mess. I thought we were all mm-hmm. over the place. I thought um, 
I thought that the players at times I thought looked confused on who was playing where and what what they were supposed to be doing. And actually, Peterborough could have quite easily done two up in that in that ten minutes. But in the end, it's kind of the life of a manager, isn't it? He, he kind of yeah. rolls the dice, and then we get a free kick ten minutes later and score and draw the game. And he looks he looks great. So it's he went for it. He had the balls to do it. So so fair play. And we probably deserved a better look. Yeah, absolutely. And and. I mean, credit to Josh Gowan as well, I think, who came on and, and obviously um, got himself in the position to win that free kick. He went down nice and, nice and easily on the edge of the box. It was his first touch of the ball as well, wasn't it? Yeah, but, he, you know, that's what he does bring is that kind of tenacity and that, that kind of terrier kind of spirit to the midfield where, you know, he gets in in amongst it. And, you know, I was watching the, the, the match with um, my wife, Craig, and, and I said to her, you know, when when he was fouled, I said if Aidan McGeady could pick up the ball and put it anywhere on the pitch to take a free kick, it would be exactly where that ball was. Were you were you like me sat there expecting the ball to go into the back of the net? Yeah, I, I think it was just one of those sort of like instinctive moments that it's mm. it was McGeady territory, and it was funny because I was reading back through the um, the sort of message board earlier, kind of going over the, some of the views of the game and stuff. And I didn't pick up on the comment at the time, but uh, apparently the co-commentator, uh, Danny Gabadon, had mentioned that it was like a good free kick to give away, which obviously, yeah. like, what what sort of research have you done, mate? You know, you do not give Aidan McGeady <laughs> that territory. If you get the ball over the wall, it's going one place. And I even said to me little girl in the room at the time, I said, look, there's a good possibility that daddy's going to shout, get in in a second, so you just need to brace yourself. Um, but no, I, I think, like you said, in that run-up, credit to Scowan because... Yeah, again, he's one of those players, I think, that he does an awful lot that sometimes goes unnoticed, but he just gets stuck in, doesn't he? He's not afraid to, to just jump in or anything. And he wins, as you say, a free kick in, a, in an absolutely fantastic position. And yeah, I mean, as soon as McGeady steps up, it's going one place. I know that there was a few suggestions that the keeper was struggling at the time. I think that he'd had like a rib injury or something like that. But I'm convinced even if that keeper is, is 100%, he's, he's still not going to save that. But I suppose the disappointment, the slight tinge of disappointment you've got at that point is with 10 minutes remaining, is that we, we don't capitalise on that. I mean, Chris rightly said that the shape had went a little out the window. We were disjointed at that point. In terms of some of the people who may have benefited from that, I think McGeady was one of them because of obviously the torrid time he'd had out wide because of the way that watered the pitch. It was cutting up badly. As soon as we brought him in centrally, I thought that kind of opened them up a little bit more. Mm. And again, like I said, I mean, by God, you put your trust in, in Lee Johnson to to obviously make those decisions, but you just wonder perhaps if we'd maybe done things a little bit earlier, would we be talking about three points? But I think all in all, we've still got to look at it and see it draws it. It's a fair result. Absolutely. So I'm um, looking ahead to Charlton at the weekend then. In the context of the game against Peterborough, Chris, what do you think will be the, the kind of the biggest lessons that Lee Johnson will take from that performance that can feed into, into the upcoming game? I don't know because it seems like Lee Johnson has got a, a completely different plan for each game. Um, whether you know in midfield, like I said, against Peterborough, he had two players who could hold the ball, um, which were Winchester and Ledbetter. They weren't going to charge forward. They were going to hold their position, stay in front of the back four, give us a bit of protection. And you know, I think I think he probably learned a lot about Stewart and White up front because about ten minutes in, I think it was like nine minutes in or something, long ball played forward. Stewart nodded it down and, and White was, had a half volley from the edge of the box. And I actually thought at that point, I thought, oh, we could be in business mm. here uh, with these two. But then they didn't get that type of service again. I think that was one of the few balls that Stewart and, and White could actually 
play off each other. Um, and we, we didn't do it anymore, unfortunately. So I've got a feeling Lee Johnson might be kind of showing them clips of that and saying, look, you know, if we're in trouble at the back or if, if we want to mix it up a bit, look, you know, that's, that's the way to do it. You know, make sure you find his head. Wyke standing within five, ten yards of him or vice versa. And uh, we might get a might get a bit from it. But uh, but yeah, I think I think he learned a bit there. And um and I think he learned in terms of his substitutions, I think um obviously being a goal down and the team that he set up and the shape that he set up with, it was more of a of a rigid, like I said, with Ledbetter and Winchester sitting. When he changed that to Scowan and Power because we needed a bit of urgency because we went a goal down. That kind of changed the impetus, you know, of, of our play, and we were kind of pushing forward a bit more and getting the ball forward a, a bit quicker. So, um, but it, it's at home against Charlton. They haven't lost in the last five, won three in the last five, so that they're on a good run. It's going to be interesting to see what he does, whether he gives us a bit of protection um, against the back four rather than going gung ho. Aidan O'Brien could come back in to hold it up a bit more as well. But yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting. But the the thing with Lee Johnson, which is completely different to Phil Parkinson, you just can't predict what Lee Johnson's going to do from game to game. And uh, but and I like it to be honest. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think you made a good point about about that chance early on for Charlie White because I think if it hadn't got the deflection, it would have been very difficult for the keeper to stop it. And you know, it was a lovely clip ball forward from Aidan McGeady actually and you could see he looked up and he played the perfect ball and he knew you know he could see the pattern of play open up in front of him and, and certainly that is something that Johnson I'm sure will want to build on. Craig so what who who do you see um coming into the lineup uh, at the weekend? Is it is it time for, for Hume to be brought in? Providing he gets through the next few days unscathed mm. in training um and that he's fully rested and recovered. Um, you would imagine that the coach and staff are going to monitor him very thoroughly over the uh, over the course of the next few days. But I think if he's if he's at one hundred percent, then yeah, absolutely no doubt. Because when he came on, he just kind of settled us down a little bit. Which I suppose there is a bit of an irony there that I'm talking about how we've lost our shape. Um, and as Chris mentioned earlier, but he's just got more positional awareness. I think that he relaxes perhaps Aidan McGeady a little bit more. Um, in terms of obviously McGeady can know that he's got license to roam forward and not always necessarily worry that he's going to have to sort of trek back and and obviously say, you know, cover McFadden all of the time. And I, I think that's going to certainly perhaps even bring more out of him. Other than that, I think it could be just business as usual, maybe just the same, same team because, I mean, Charlton, they're, they're, they're actually in really good form at the moment, mm-hmm. which um, is somewhat of a surprise considering... It was what perhaps only a month ago or so where people had you know kind of finished them as a mid table um end of season prediction but you know Nigel Adkins credit to him he's come in he's done a good job um from what I've seen of them in recent weeks they look really positive they seem to be a little bit more structured in terms of you know being able to sort of like hold a game out they're not leaking all of those goals that there were um I, th- I think they conceded two really silly goals against Wimbledon a few weeks back but when you look at them against Doncaster the other day they look to be getting the basics right now so perhaps they are riding that crest of a new manager bounce but we've just got to make sure that um that obviously we take the game to them really I think again it might be cautious and cagey because Charlton are a good side there's a lot of good sides that we still have left to play but as per really the past two games we've just got to make sure that you know, once we do get into a position in the final third, then obviously we capitalise on every chance that we get. I think it was important that obviously Jones did come off. Again, I, people might think that's a bit of a strange one, but 
we're managing his fitness well because he's got a crucial part to play. So by giving him an extra couple of days rest, um, you would imagine he'll be in the starting lineup immediately. I think there's there's an argument to be had that that lead bitter might be involved again because in that first half against Peterborough, we certainly dictated the tempo. He's very calm um, in the way that he played. He settled things down. But as Chris says, it's one of those, you know, we could talk about this non-stop and then at two o'clock on Saturday afternoon when the team comes out, you could see something completely <laughs> different. I think that's just um, just obviously a testament to Lee Johnson. He holds all the cards very close to his chest. He doesn't give much to, to give away. But the most important thing I think for us now is regardless of whatever way we play or perform, we've just got to make sure that we take maximum points. There's not really much margin for error now. It's very unlikely that we're going to, you know, win eight from eight. But um, if we are to drop points... We've just got to make sure that obviously it's not going to be on a weekend where teams can break away from us. Absolutely. I mean, I keep looking at that league table. I go on it at least three times a day. <laughs> it's not changed. It won't change until there's another game played. But uh, yeah, it's it's so tantalising, isn't it? With, with this many games left. I know it's a bit of a cliche, but these are the games that these players are going to want to play in as well, aren't they? You know, it's, mm. it's eight cup finals. And, and one thing that you can give credit to these lads for now is that, you know, they they, they seem fully invested in the job at hand and that's not necessarily to say that they weren't last season or the season before but there seems to be an extra edge to this Sunderland side that you know never see a die attitude it is quite reminiscent of the Roy Keane season and obviously when we went 1-0 down the other day the warning signs were repeatedly there but you still feel that that we are capable of grinding out those results we've, we've really developed that ability to do that now even if we aren't performing at our best so just take one step at a time, perhaps steadily improve on Monday's performance and hopefully come the end of the season we're going to be in the top two. Hi, absolutely. You confident, Chris? Well, yeah, I was going to say, I mean, I mean I'm mean, i going back to what? I mean, December. I mean, it's only the 7th of April, but you go back to, to Christmas and the new year and, like I said, if, if, if anybody had said, look, we'll be in a three-horse race with eight games to go, I either would have laughed at them, but I probably would have laughed at them then snapped their hand off. So I mean, just to just the fact that we're we're actually in the mix and we're in this promotion hunt, and it's in our own hands. You know that that you know we we win our games in hand. We're top of the table and we're we're the best side in the league. Um, and we can go up as champions, um, which is a fantastic position to be in. This is what we all want. <laughs> I'm just going to try and enjoy it while we're in it. Yeah. Absolutely. I think I think enjoying it and and enjoying the expectation of us. Being able to pick up results every week, it's something we haven't had for for quite a long while. So um, thanks for your time this afternoon, lads. Um, just a quick shout out uh, to uh, another team that faces a cup final every week at the minute, which is the the ladies team. Uh, the lasses won 5-1 against Sheffield on, on Sunday at the Academy of Light. Eve Blakey got a hat-trick. Um, they've got Burnley coming up next weekend in, in the next round of the cup with the chance of playing Man United awaiting uh, the victor of that. So it's a really big week for everyone at the football club. It's going to be a, a fun month ahead, I think. Um, so it just remains for me to say thanks for listening. Uh, please like and share us on your podcast uh, app of choice. And yeah, cheers and how we're the last. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.